I'm Katie. And this is I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. Hey, horror fans. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. Please subscribe on Spotify or iTunes and give us a great rating. It'll help spread the word. Thank you. Did you mess it up again? Thanks for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a great job and I don't need your judgment. Um, We are here to talk about paranormal activity released worldwide in 2009. Just like my daughter. Aw, that's cute. (laughs) So, um... Oh, but before we can get into that, though, because it feels like it's been a long time and I need to know what's new with you, Meredith. I've just uh, been traveling. Really? Where? Ah, everywhere. Well, okay. so first, my wonderful engineer slash boyfriend got COVID. So I sat inside for a week and then I felt kind of crappy, too. But then I was fine. And I never tested positive for COVID. Great so, story. So I wonder if I was just depressed. Maybe. <laughs> you, you had sympathy COVID? Maybe. Yeah. And then after that, we went to uh, LA and I took the kids and we went to Little Tokyo. We went to the Tar Pits. We went to the San Diego Zoo. We went all over the place. And um, it was really fun. And we just got back. This morning, my eyes are bloodshot, and I'm tired, but it was really good good uh, traveling so far. But, uh, yeah, I have to, like, take care of my house, because it looks like a garbage pit. It looks like a tar pit. <laughs> I mean, she says that, folks, but it, I'm looking around, it doesn't really look I that bad. I see piles of stuff, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, and then I've been enjoying the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, Um Katie's an naysayer. She won't watch it. That's not true. Remember, I finally started watching it. I watched... I don't um, remember anything you say. Cool. <laughs> um, well, then for the first time, uh, Tom and I did try watching it. Um, it was actually not long after we did the Brent Stokers episode, and we were looking for something to watch. And mm. I, I said, oh, Meredith's been recommending this for about 37 years. And... Um, I think we watched, like, three or four episodes, and we liked it, but um, I didn't get hooked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, no, I think I think it's very funny. Oh, um, yeah. I, it just, I haven't gone back to it. Well, it gets pretty sp- dicey. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite hilarious. And um, my favorite's Nadia. Yes. Because she's like, man, she's hilarious. She's so. a bad bitch. Oh, she's a definitely bad bitch. <laughs> I have a, a big painting of her in my room, or my living room, and it looks very, like, you know old-timey and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's from, like, this weird show. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, if you're not in the know, people are like, oh, here's, like, a Renaissance painting of some woman. You're like, that was my great-great-grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is a fictional vampire <laughs> from a show from FX <laughs> that I enjoy. <laughs> so, Katie, what's new with you? Um, well, I've been doing a little traveling myself. I guess, like, the past two weekends I've been gone. Um, the first one I took... Grace and three of her troop mates um, to our uh, mountain house for the a Girl Scout weekend. And it was supposed to be, uh, you know, I just I dropped the ball with campsites and reservations. And it's kind of difficult to pull off with this group anyway, for lots of reasons. But um, I ended up just being like, we'll just go to our vacation house. Like it's you guys can pitch a tent in the backyard and we have a campfire ring and we'll, you know, we'll be at a house and but we'll still do some camping stuff. 
Um, but then we it just turned into this like super fun girls weekend because one of the um, girls moms that I have a great time with came up too, mm-hmm. um, and so you know they were just like they were in the hot tub and then we were at the lake and then we were going shopping and then we were doing this or doing that and it was like yeah we didn't the only camping related thing we did was we did build a campfire one night and scare the crap out of them with stories and stuff and roast s'mores but other than that we never pitched a tent we never cooked on the propane stove because we were just having too much of a relaxing mountain girls weekend um so it was kind of awesome so it was um, like a leslie nope uh, like puppy party and like yeah. eating, eating lots of candy and yeah. having a great old time. Um, the funny thing is the one, the badge that I had selected for them to, because whenever we do a camp out, I, I pick one for them to earn uh, during the course of the camp out. Um, but there weren't any outdoors ones that they were really interested in or that a lot of them were too involved for us to pull off in this short time frame. And so we did this one that was called comic book artist. And so the four of them each drew one panel of, um, a comic strip. And, uh, when they were all finished and they were, we're done, I'm like, okay, let's see. And like, we read it. And of course it was like this demonic bullshit because Grace was in on it. And it's like this, you know, girl in bed and there's like knocking at the door and then she's like, eh, and then there's like three frames of her, like dragging herself out of bed and getting a flashlight and everything. And then she finally answers the door. And then the last cell was Grace's drawing, the one that she drew. And it was like this horned demon dragging the girl out the door by her hair with like the flashlight splayed on the floor. I was like, oh, that's my baby. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so that was two weekends ago. And just this past weekend, um, Grace and I went um, to a family reunion in Merced, which is just like, it's like almost an hour south of Stockton, just like Central Valley. Um and it was, it's actually a family reunion for some extremely distant relatives of mine, but it happened to be one that both of my aunts um, and one of my cousins were going to come out to California for, and all three of them live in Texas, so I don't mm-hmm. see them often. And yeah. so um, if they hadn't, you know, they were the reason that I went was just to see them. And so that was really great, too. Yeah, that sounds fun. I've only driven through Merced, like, a few weeks ago, yeah. maybe three or four weeks ago on the way to Yosemite, mm-hmm. and it was like... 100 degrees. Yeah, it was hot as hell. It was uh, 107, I think, at the highest point while we were there. We got out of the car. We're like, ugh, get back in. Keep going. (laughs) This is crap. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. (laughs) But um, the couple that hosted us, he is um, retired Air Force and um, had been is very involved in the Castle Air Museum, which is the Air Force Base Museum in Atwater, which is just right by Merced. And so we got like a private personal tour from him. They have like over 70 planes mm-hmm. on the grounds in their collection from World War II, like bombers and fuelers, and they have MiGs and they have like crazy crap from other countries and everything. So I am not an airplane person. I don't, that's not something I nerd out on, but I could recognize that if I was, it would have been a really cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. But well, so both of us have been traveling. Yeah. Living that life. Yeah. But um, we're here to talk about scary movies. We are. We're here to talk about scary movies that take place in one house. In one house. That don't travel. Yeah. And specifically, we're talking this summer about found footage movies. Yeah, if you'll um, recall yeah. the theme, if you've been keeping up, this is been keeping up. a found footage summer. Yeah, so by the time this comes out, the ex- last exorcism will be out. And then before that, we talked about Blair Witch. 
And I I realized when I was like researching found footage movies more instead of the ten minutes that I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> there was a par- apparently one also that I I saw in the theater like a midnight movie called Cannibal Holocaust, and that's the original found footage movie. Okay. And what, it was, when was it from? What year? The seventies. Oh, okay. So I saw it, and it was like it's like terrified like the movie poster were like you won't be the same after you see this and I went and saw it and I was like so that's it <laughs> all right I mean it was whatever I yeah. don't know yeah one of but, the ones I, for- I had forgotten to mention when we were taking some off or when I remember in the episode where I was just listing like the 300 movies I had watched in the previous 24 hours yes yeah um catfish the oh. like one found footage movie that actually is real found footage oh no I don't see that yeah. I haven't seen that. Well, I can, I don't need to go into it at the top of an episode about another movie, but maybe later. <laughs> hey, everyone! <laughs> I know you're here to hear about Paranormal Activity. Wait, is that scary? Um, well, it's it wants to be, but mm-hmm. since it's actual real, yeah, it's not. I mean, it, it's unsettling and creepy, oh. um, but it's... We can talk about it later. I shouldn't okay. brought it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was you know, a teaser. This, this I was titillating I you. <laughs> I shouldn't. I should know better than to talk to you and ask you questions and to listen to you. Yeah. How dare you? <sighs> Usually I shun you. <laughs> well, you can start that now and give us your uh-huh. synopsis. Okay. So I have it on many post-it notes. I'm going to talk fast. I hope Hopefully they're in the right order. Fast. Oh, God, help me if it's not. <laughs> Basically, it's a lot of our main character, Katie, crying and... Um, my, Mika like comforting. So. Yeah, yeah. They both really nailed those those. She's roles. like, ah, and he's like, there, there. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get that team. Okay. Anyway, so let me get it. Let me start. All right. Um. So before the movie even starts, there's a caption that says, "Paramount Pictures would like to thank the families of Mika Sloat and Katie Katie Featherston." Uh, and the San Diego Police Department. So basically, it's like implying that they allowed the makers of the movie to use this this um, film, found footage film. Uh, and then the opening shows a man walking around with his uh, video camera. He walks out to meet his girlfriend as he she pulls into the driveway. And then there's a caption that says, San Diego, September 18th, 2006. She's sort of eye-rolling his giant camera. He mentions capturing paranormal activity that may or may not be happening in the house and that's like um the intent of his purchase as a viewer you assume that the man is mika and the woman is katie because of the caption before the movie even starts um so the camera just kind of stays on they prepare dinner mika says the camera will capture weird shit that's happening to them to figure out what's going on and so because he can can take care of it he has a real like i'm a caretaker in this relationship kind of thing going on uh, they eat dinner katie is um doing beadwork and addresses mika for the first time as her boyfriend so now we know that that they're in a relationship that's mika and he responds with like um calling her katie mika asks katie if she knows any tricks to get the activity captured um they're kind of chilling out ha- hanging out they hear knocking they figure they figure out quickly it's the ice maker. It's They have, like, little, like, oh, what's that? And it's, like, something else completely yeah. a little bit through the movie. And Mika sets the camera in the bedroom. Um, he sets it up there. That's where we're going to film. You can see the, a view, a really good view of the bed and the hallway. And that's where they're going to film a lot of the movie, where, what, as if your, your perspective is. Um, so then the caption then reads... Night number one, September 18th, 2006. The, capture, the camera captures humming 
and sound of keys falling onto the floor uh, downstairs. And then the following morning, Katie discovers her keys. She's kind of like, who threw my keys on the floor? And they're like, ooh, I don't know. Anyway, and then they move on. So then they swim. <laughs> you live with one other person. I know. You have no pets. I know. They swim, hang out. Katie mentions that a psychic is coming. Um, and Mika, he's not really thrilled. He mocks the idea of him coming. He's like, whatever, I roll. Um, the psychic, he arrives. He seems really friendly. Mika basically is kind of mocking, like, you couldn't predict that there would be traffic. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And he's like, well, you know, it just depends on the day, like how, what I can like, you know, foretell or like feel, you know. Mm -hmm. So he seems friendly enough. He asks them about their lives. Katie kind of describes herself for us, the viewer as well, because we don't really know her at all. Uh, She's in school to be a teacher. Mika is a day trader. The psychic explains a lot of the stuff can be explained easily and and that's happening to them is, uh, can easily be explained. Let me go back. And it's not necessarily signs of a haunting Katie explains that haunting slash these kinds of experiences started for her at eight years old for her and her sister. There was a shadow figure at the front of her bed. There was an unexplained house fire that burned down their home. A lot of weird experiences have happened to her periodically, whispering her name, faucets turning on, a lot of just strange things intermittently throughout her life. The psychic mentions hauntings are fed, um... But after he kind of, he says this after Mika shows him all the like high tech equipment that's um, kind of, that makes us as a viewer able to see everything that's going on. But then the psychic's like, you know, this kind of feeds this kind of, he, yeah. he, he's not like a jerk about it. He's like, well, you know, be careful, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he also explains the differences between ghosts and demons. He says he is, it, his experiences with ghosts. And then he says that their problem is like a demon, and the the a demon has not been is not a human as was never a human. He's not like really um, experienced with it. He gives them uh, information on somebody like a colleague that they can contact that can help them. He says that um, it, they can leave, but this entity will follow her where she goes, and. Um, it's kind of reminiscent yeah. of the the comparison that we get in Poltergeist of the difference between, you know, a haunting and a poltergeist. Like they make that distinction there, too, that like a haunting is, or ghost is about a place. Yeah. Or like a poltergeist or a demon is like fixed on a person. Yes. Yeah. So because like they want everyone at home watching or in the theater to, who's like, bitch, run. Yeah. Like, why don't you just you leave? Can, <laughs> you can leave. But like, it doesn't really matter where yeah. you go. Um so then Mika suggests, like, maybe we can use a Ouija board to figure out what it wants. And the psychic, he's like, oh, you know, you don't want to do that because what it wants is most likely Katie. Yeah. It wants her. Um, and I wouldn't mess with it. He's like, but you'll be fine. You know, just contact my colleague. You know, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He seems pretty sure of that. Yeah. Not too um, alarmed. Not very alarmed. And, and Mika's like, don't call that guy. He sounds like a kook. You know, whatever. <laughs> she wants to call. And the demonologist, but Mika's very like, you know, please don't. We'll figure this out on our own. Then it has night number three, September 20th. The clock speeds up. And then at 2 a.m., there's creaking at the door. The door just moves on its own. There's humming. Uh, Mika shows Katie the video the next day. Um, She's like, I just want the ghost to go away. He seems just really intrigued and into it. She's just like, ugh, I don't like this. Um, He then, the next day... 
or later that day, like he walks around with his camera saying, what do you want, ghost demon? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are you, why are you doing this? You're opening a door? God, he, he's sort of like being like, you're kind of being a little bitch with your door, <laughs> your door moving. <laughs> Um, then he, uh, Mika explains his research on ghosts and demons. He says that demons want to cause pain. Katie says she wants to stop with the cameras because she doesn't want to make the entity mad at her. Her reasoning is that she has dealt with this more than he has. And he responds to her by saying, you know, you didn't exactly warn me about this shit happening when we moved in together. <laughs> like that should have been part of her realty disclosure. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, ooh, yeah, you know. He's kind of a jerk, but also I'm like, eh, I kind of see your point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then she she's like, kind of like, okay, you know, if he wants to do that, I guess it's she'll have to deal with it. Then night number five, September 26th, 22nd, at 2.55, Katie wakes up, gasps her air, and then there's a big slamming sound downstairs. It's like pretty massive. Katie, uh, of course... Mika wants to go down and investigate, as always. She begs him not to, and then uh, he goes and sees, like, the chandeliers kind of just, like, um, you know, hanging, shaking back and forth. And then, um, let's see, he he says um, he heard, like, a voice whispering, too. He then also suggests, again, getting a Ouija board. She's like, please, God, no. I don't want the Ouija board. <laughs> Um, oh, shoot. Did I maybe lose my train place? Oh, crap. They really were in the wrong order? That, that's my fault. I, oh, I willed no. that into existence. Well, and that's the thing with, like, these movies, too, is that it's, it is a... Not to call it repetitive, but it is a lot of, like, similar scenes that gradually escalate. So... Yeah, and um, they also have, like, a lot of nights where they don't say what number of night it is. Yeah, yeah, you only get so that I title card occasionally. still on the right track. But, so then he suggests getting a Ouija board again. She's like, no. Then you see Mika's, like, kind of wandering around, like, hey, bitch. You know, like, <laughs> once again, taunting the demon. They continue to hear, like, a thumping sound. The following morning, Katie mentioned that it wasn't really this bad prior to the cameras. He walks around with his mic, and then um, he's like, what do you want? Like, how do you know, like, do you want to talk to us? And then there's, like, a sound, <laughs> like, when they did the microphone thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, see, you want some Ouija board to communicate. She's like, fuck you. Like, but she didn't say <laughs> that, but she's like, please stop. So then, um, you know, she she's adamant about, please don't get a Ouija board. He's like, come on. And then... Um, then that night, again, they go to sleep, and Katie stands up. At, she gets out of bed. She's, like, staring at him for, like, hours. Oh, yeah. It does, like, a time lapse. It shows her, like, get up, walk around to his side of the bed, and look at him. And then it goes into high-speed fast-forwarding through the, like, hours she was standing there motionless. Yeah, standing there motionless like a creep, just staring at him. Stalker. And then she walks outside. As know. one does. Yeah, she seems like she went left with purpose. He wakes up and goes to find her and finds her sitting outside next to the pool in a little bit of a daze. He asks her, he's like, come back in. She's like, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to come back in. She's kind of like out of it. She doesn't want to. He comes back inside to like go get her a blanket because she's like not, she's a little bit catatonic. Yeah. Like really out of it. Uh, he comes back in, sees the TV's on, and then um, he's like, what the hell? He was like thumping, thump, thump also. And then Katie's there like, what's going on? Like, she's, like, awake now. Yeah. And he's, like, she's, like, let's get it back in bed. And he's, like, what the fuck's going 
on. She's like, let's time for bed. Um, so then, <laughs> time for bed. Time for bed. Get in bed. He's like, this is crazy. He's like, stop what? messing around, silly. It's bedtime. <laughs> He's like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. Um, so they go to sleep. The next morning, he's, you know, Katie's shocked to see her sleepwalking. She's shocked to see him, like, staying there, being herself being weird. Later, Mika has a Ouija board. He has it. Ooh. He's like, oh, look what just showed up. He's like, oh, my gosh. He sets it on the table. He wants to use a Ouija board. And Katie freaks out. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you promised. He leaves it on the table. It's, you know, suddenly there's, like, uh, plants start. There's thumping, thump, thump. Plants, like, all shaky. It, it looks like a, in real time, like, earthquake happening. Yeah. With all the sh- shaking. And then the Ouija board, like, catches on fire. It also sets itself ablaze. And then later you see them come home. It's, like, they leave at, like, 730 and they come back, like, 11-ish. Mm-hmm. And then the Mika sees that the Ouija board has like kind of messed up, and then he they have a fight. He he's like, you know, Katie, help me figure out what's on this board. And she's like, fuck all the way off. Like, I'm so mad at you. <laughs> and he's like, fine. She's like, turn off this GD camera. So he finally does. Then the next scene is Mika is in front of the camera making all these statements that Katie has made him like has prepared for him to say, like, I will respect Katie's wishes. I will not, you know, like, all this other stuff. Kind of making, like, these statements to appease Katie. Then they go to bed at, like, one, around one twenty-eight in the morning. They're kind of sitting in bed for a little bit before they're able to fall asleep. He wants to tell her what happened to the board. She's like, please stop talking about the board. Like, I just want to stop talking about this. Um, the following morning, they continue to fight about it. Mika spreads baby powder on the ground. He's like, please just let me do this experiment. You know, I just want to do baby powder on the ground. They go to bed. Um, Incidentally, that's a really good way to eliminate squeaks in hardwood floors. Baby powder? Baby powder lubricates between the boards so that they don't rub against each other and make noise. Yeah, well, they should have just done that in the first place. Right? <laughs> like, the, like the psychic says. Usually it just squeaks that sneezes baby powder. <laughs> I forgot that part. Um, so... He puts it on the ground to, like, kind of see what happens. She wants to call the demonologist again because, like, please let me... I, you know, he's really adamant about just, like, figuring out himself. At 3 a.m., there's more humming, noises, footsteps. They wake up and find powder footprints. They're, like, three-clawed, like, three-toed. Yeah, so it was a velociraptor. Prince. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, did I just spoil the movie? <laughs> it was a velociraptor. Um... Yeah, they find all these footprints all around, and it's creepy and crazy. They find, like, the crawl space door, like, little thing is askew. Mika goes up to investigate. He finds a supposedly burned-up photo of Katie, of her when she was a child. She's, you know, freaked out because she's like, this isn't supposed to exist anymore because my house burned down. And yeah, she's like, we lost stuff. all of our pictures yeah, of the fire. Yeah, and, and the f- the photos like all singed and burned on the outside yeah. and, except for the picture of her the following morning mika and katie are exhausted katie doesn't know what to do katie insists on calling the demonologist but she's unable to reach him so she calls the psychic and he agrees to come the following morning then the following evening at around 3 15 in the morning the light in the hall turns on there's a running sound there's a huge slam door like the store sl- door slam shut there's pounding. The door knob starts rattling. Once again, Mika goes to investigate. Katie screams. 
<laughs> she <laughs> wants to go downstairs. She's like, please let's stay stay downstairs. And they there's like go back and forth. They end up sleeping in their room. She the next morning she's like Katie's exhausted, sullen. She's just like hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, then later the glass at the um, there's a glass pictured picture frame of uh, Katie and Mika and it Katie gets um, there's a lot of like thump and a, like smash sound and the side with Mika is there's a big slash like it looks like claw marks and the glass is smashed and they're like what the fuck has this ever happened during the day oh my god this yeah. thing is like and Mika's like why is it only on my face <laughs> I know well because the demon is tired of your bullshit all the time okay sorry anyway so <laughs> um so sh- yeah she's exhausted like I said she wants to get the hell out of here once again she's like we just need to go saying she feels the demon it's like you see her hair kind of like being jostled like Mm -hmm. it looks like something's breathing on her she's like i feel this thing on me like i want to just leave yeah um it's getting worse the psychic arrives and he immediately senses like bad stuff he's like Oh no! I have yeah. to leave. <laughs> he, he did the Homer Simpson slide back into the hedge thing. Like as soon as he stepped through the door, he was like, "Wait a second. Yeah, they're like, "No, don't leave." He's like, "Nope." It he, does not want me here. He's like, "I already know this is me being here will do more harm than good." Yeah. So I need to go. I'm going to contact my friend. You'll be fine. But I can't like deal with this right now. So then, um, Katie she cries more, making comforts her more. <laughs> There's just like a long. You know, that happens a lot. So the night number 19 at 134, it comes back and then it just hangs with Katie and says, you know, she it feels with her. It like hangs out with her like she feels it. Yeah. This, this demon's just like chilling. She's Katie is desperate. She just like is sobbing a lot, really like losing, like losing hope, mm-hmm. I think. They find out more bad information about a woman just like her who experienced a possession and um that i think she ended up dying and it was really bad or something i can't remember exactly but um they she knows that she doesn't want to stay in the face the same like fate as this debbie woman mm-hmm. that was her name then um that evening um oh and then katie and mika fight more because this is like putting a huge strain on them and he, he yeah was, it's like right up there with buying a house yeah it's like the number one <laughs> strain possession. on a relationship is a demon possession <laughs> they have a huge fight then at 4 30 katie is pulled out of her bed and then down the hall um mika tries to pull her back and there's more sobbing more comforting katie <sighs> begs to leave and it, this creature has apparently like, bitten her. She has a huge like, bite mark on her back that she shows the camera. And it's like pretty pretty crazy. Later, Mika goes to retrieve Katie after packing the car. And he finds Katie just like catatonic with a cross that's like all bloodied in her hands. He's like, what the hell? And, you know, like, this is bullshit. Like, I have to do something. So he like takes that cross and her picture that was found in the attic and burns it. Then... Um, which that's kind of counterintuitive when you're trying to counteract something de- demonic to destroy something holy. Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking, but I don't know. So he he's like, okay, let's go. You said you want to leave. Let's leave. And then Katie's like all bundled up and like comfy, cozy in the bed. And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to leave. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Like, Stay with me, please. And then she's like, I don't want to leave. We'll be fine. And then her voice is all weird. And then you kind of hear like a second voice kind of transposed into her voice. She says, I think we'll all be okay now. She kind of like <laughs> smiles to herself. Yeah. And it's freaking crazy. 
So, and she smiles contentedly. That's what my uh, notes say. At 1.27 a.m., Katie gets out of bed. She stares at Mika for, like, a long time. Blankets are kind of pulled off of her him very slowly. She's not pulling them, but, yeah. like, something's happening. Um, she stands over him. Then she goes out down the hallway and um, down the stairs. She screams for help, like, blood-curdling screams. Yeah, so she's out of view at that point. Yeah, you can't see them at all because it's, like, dark or her. You see Mika jump out of bed, run down, like, honey, I'm helping. I'm, I'm here to help you. And then you hear, like, ah, and then, like, screaming, pound, and then there's pounding, and it's, like, thump, thump, thump. And then there's, like, silence. And then you hear, like, stomping, like, thump, thump, like, walking back into the room. You see um, Mika's body being thrown and he's like, like right at the camera. Yeah, right at the camera. It's like a bag of flour, kind of. It's just like, <laughs> doom, like that. And 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 Katie is standing there, kind of like in a daze, but she has like blood all over her like pajama. Like she has a tank top and like boy shorts, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like or you know like boxer boxers, shorts, boxer yeah. briefs. And she's just you know not herself, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and she like smells. Mika's body a little bit in a weird like animalistic way yeah oh yeah because after Mika's body hits the camera the tripod tips over yeah and so it's like laying on its side on the floor like kind of close to where he's laying dead on the floor so that when she like gets down on all fours to sniff him like an animal she's like right down in the camera too and she's all like on all fours like (sighs) like that and you're like oh my gosh and then she like looks up and she like looks a little normal for a second and then she has like a demonic face and that's it and then there's a title card that says Mika's body was found October 11th and Katie Feather, whatever her name is, whereabouts are unknown. Yeah. And that's paranormal activity. Sorry, I lost my page. Please get her for a minute. <laughs> you are forgiven. I know. So, Katie, was this movie scary? I think it was. I think, like, all of them that we talk about, it's probably, you know, scarier the first time than when you watch it repeatedly over time. Um, I don't think it stops being enjoyable, although the kind of repetitive nature of a lot of the scenes might make it, you know, less great for rewatching. Yeah. But, um, no, I definitely think that um, there's a lot of... uh, strategies that they use in this and all of the paranormal activity movies that um make it really scary the the building of the suspense you know like like any any scary movie where things start out small and then they get more and more and more severe and dramatic but with mm-hmm. this like, like it's like the exorcist yeah like little things like yeah cuz like you were saying like the things. first night on this one like all that happened was like the door slightly moved by itself mm-hmm. and you're like who, who the fuck cares yeah. but throughout the movie you're watching these like drawn out extended um sections of footage where you're just waiting for something to happen and when i'm watching a scary movie like that i'm like looking in this corner looking down that hall looking like oh over next to the bed because it's like you know they're gonna get you by springing something out from a spot in the scene that you wouldn't necessarily be looking at mm-hmm. and so i'm always like trying to scan the whole room to see see like if there's something that I'm missing and so having those drawn out periods of footage where nothing really is happening is that building of suspense mm-hmm. so that when things do start happening and then when they start escalating um you get that reaction from the viewer and I think it is pretty scary definitely did you think yeah. it was scary I loved it when I saw it in the theater obviously now I've seen it many times yeah and, and I actually didn't realize 
how many times there's crying and comforting. Until you started (laughs) taking notes on it. I was like, this is like the sixth time. I'm like, crying, comforting, crying, comforting. (laughs) Mika's like, I'll save you. You're not saving anyone, okay? Oh, bless his heart. I know. But I remember, yeah, seeing this in the theater and being like, oh, this is good. This is like... This is really interesting story storytelling and, and it's scary and it's original and, and mm-hmm. the way it was the story was told and um obviously and you know how I like the unknown is what yeah. scares me the most. Yeah. So I, I I really liked it. And I remember leaving the theater, it was like um it was a particularly warm night and just being like still chilled. Like, oh yeah. I was like, Ooh, like you know, <laughs> nervous walking to the car, like oh, looking behind me and stuff. Um yeah, but I loved it. I thought yeah. it was really good. It's also a big contrast to something like Blair Witch, where it's like Blair Witch is a lot of movement. I mean, there is a lot of handheld camera footage in this one, but you have all the stationary cameras, which make up a lot of the movie. And the fact that this is like one small setting, like it's a microcosm. It's just really in and around this one house. Yeah. Um, and But then you you know contrast it with Blair Witch, where they're like outside the setting, the environment keeps changing, keeps changing. All of the footage is moving. None, none of it's stable. And so it like gives it a very different vibe. Yeah, definitely. And I think also what made it scary, it's like the house just seemed like any other house. It's very like it, it gave me a feel like you mentioned Poltergeist earlier. It's just mm-hmm. like this could be Total anyone. suburbia. Yeah. yeah, this could be anyone's house. Like you don't know what the hell's in there. There's demons and they're going to get you. That's, and they did. That's the story. That's the story. Watch out. <laughs> There's demons and they're going to get you. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I loved it. I, I still think... It, I mean, I don't get scared, but I get thrilled. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, yeah. I can really appreciate it. For sure. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's it's fun. So, you have... Oh, yes. <laughs> a lot of information about my, sequels. Yeah, my favorite topic. There's a lot. Sequels, prequels, and remakes. Um, yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit... Um, when we were uh, talking about doing this the last time um, and uh, listed off uh, how many there were. So there are um, six existing sequels that follow this original, so seven total, and then an eighth is supposed to come out next year. Um, And so I actually did a mini synopsis of each of the sequels um, to share. So hopefully they don't. I I feel like by my standards, they are quite short. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, my synopsis is pretty long, I feel like. Yeah. For me. For you. (laughs) For for you. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see. If if, um, it starts getting redundant after like the third or fourth, I can, you know. Crying and comforting. Crying crying and comforting. comforting. Honestly, I didn't put a lot of crying and comforting. Maybe that was just (gasps) Katie and Mika's uh, dynamic. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, so the first one, Paranormal Activity, um, was widely released in 2009. And so the second one, which was just called Paranormal Activity 2, came out the next year in 2010. Um, and so the number two shows the events occurring in the home and family of Christy, who is Katie's younger sister. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in this movie, we have Christy's married to Daniel and she's stepmom to teenage Allie. So Allie is, um, 
Daniel's daughter from his first marriage and her mom has passed away. Um, and the movie begins with the birth of Christie's son, Hunter. So this is Christy and Daniel's first baby together. Um, the footage in this movie um, is collected from the family's handheld camera, but also there's an arsenal of security cameras that they install in the house after there is a break in. And so like with Katie and Mika, you have some handheld, you have the ones that he sets up around the house. And mm-hmm. in this one, you have that combination again of handheld and then the security cameras. And so they have some outside and then they have them all over the house after this break in. Yeah, I haven't seen this one because the... The second one wasn't on any streaming platforms. Oh, really? Yeah. So I watched a bunch, like, when my the boyfriend had COVID, uh-huh. but except for this one. And I only saw it originally in the theater, and I haven't so, seen it since. 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, tell me more. Yeah, like, I okay. Don't crap. I don't remember crap. <laughs> um, okay, so the main events of the movie occur when Baby Hunter's about two years old. Um, and the family experiences the standard trajectory, and this is recurring in all of the paranormal activity movies. It's the trajectory that um, Ed Warren describes in the Conjuring universe, um, which is the um, what is it? Infestation, oppression, and possession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it starts with minor strange occurrences, and so that would be like your infestation, and then they escalate to more alarming attacks. And in this case, they often focus on two-year-old Hunter. Um, so Aunt Katie uh, makes a couple of appearances um, throughout the movie, um, and she's um, alludes to mysterious aspects of their childhood. So just like in the first movie, how she talks about um, how you know weird things happened to her when she's a kid. Now it's her and her sister Christy as adults, both talking about like, well, yeah, no, there was weird stuff when we were kids. Yeah. Um, so her stepdaughter Allie, um, cute little teenage Allie, is the one that starts researching. Um, everything that's going on. And she finds out about pacts that can be made with demons for wealth and power. And they're made in exchange for a firstborn male. And she also finds out that Hunter is the first male to be born in Christie's family for generations. And so that's what she thinks is going on, um, that a demon is coming to collect Hunter as payment for some deal that Christie's ancestors made for wealth and power. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one night, Christy is dragged from Hunter's room, um, similar to how Katie's dragged at one point in the first one. And she's dragged into the basement. And when she emerges, she's in a trance. Um, And so they after that, they call their um, housekeeper, Martine. So this like wonderful Hispanic, lovely housekeeper that they've had this whole time. Well, when she starts smudging the house with Sage earlier in the movie, the dad gets all pissed and fires her. But now when uh, Christy gets like possessed, he's like, do, 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 do. Martine, get the hell over here. What are you doing that video? <laughs> um, so she comes. Centuria, bring it. I need that Centuria. <laughs> That's right. Um, and she helps them transfer the possession, but it has to be transferred to a blood relative. And so they transfer it from Christy to Katie. And this is, if you w- watch the dates as it goes through the movie, this is when the, uh, the disturbances start at Katie and Mika's house, is mm-hmm. after Martine has transferred this possession from Christy to Katie. And then the shit starts going down it at Katie and Mika's house. Oh, okay. Um, and so then that um, that timeline is kind of occurring in tandem. Um, but then at the end of the second movie, um, Allie is out of town. 
And then Katie shows up at Christie's house. So it's on all the security cameras. And she's wearing, like, it's the night she killed Mika. So she's got the white tank top on with the blood and her PJ shorts and everything. She shows up in um, Christie's house. And she um, kills both Daniel and Christie and takes Hunter and disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the type on the screen at the end tells us that Katie and Hunter's whereabouts are still unknown. Yeah. Did you get the impression that her mom was not alive anymore or her stepdad they don't uh, do they Christie's? allude to that at all yeah Christine. no that doesn't come up in this one because that's what's Katie. covered in the third one right yeah no they don't mention anything about katie and Christie's parents or like in number two or like Mm-mm. any okay. the only mention is when Allie's talking about she says Christie's grandma was is like rich or something and so that's what makes her think that there was a pact made with a demon to get money she's like we don't know where they got their money from but she's talking about like the grandma but they don't oh, yeah. say anything about Christy or Katie's parents. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't... Well, I watched that movie, you know, all the a bunch of the other ones. And yeah. I was like, I don't remember in the second one if they even talked yeah, about they that. Yeah, they don't. Like, at all. Mm-mm. Or I missed it. Um, trying to do the canon... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's <laughs> other... Um, <laughs> there's other little overlap, too, because... Um, at the very beginning of this and some of the there was like snippets of old footage present before it started the continuous footage when Hunter's two. So it's like the footage of her painting the baby's room when she's pregnant. And then when Hunter first comes home and then the break in that causes them to get all the other cameras. But then there's one point where it is um, Katie coming and telling uh, Christy that she's moving in with Mika and she's asking if she can store some boxes in their basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but then at one point, Christy is going through a photo album of like newborn Hunter when Hunter's like two and pulls out the photo of Katie when she's a kid that they find in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And when Martine is transferring the possession, she burns that photo. And so that's when it appears at Katie's house with the singed edges. Oh, okay. Like they don't put it there, but it something. You know, yeah, there's so, yeah, it there's gets there. Magic. It transmogrifies. Transmogrifies. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so it's definitely like very closely woven into um the details of the first movie and just fleshing out a couple of little areas to make it a little more intriguing. Okay. Well I couldn't yeah, I couldn't remember and yeah, I was wondering about it a little bit. So. Yeah. And then for each of them, I put like um, like a what's good, like what do I like about that one. For this one, I put all the creepy things you can do with a baby in a movie. Because um, mm-hmm. I did see this one when Grace was about two years old, um, mm-hmm. same age as Hunter. And so there's like um, all the things that you can do with a baby monitor. In a scary oh, movie, yes. like they do that some in some of the Insidious movies, you got some yes. baby monitor action. Like that can be some creepy shit. Um, and then uh, toys moving by themselves, everybody loves that. That's mm-hmm. creepy as shit. Um, and then um, the lengthy segments of footage where nothing is happening. So they do that in the first one too, and it's just mm-hmm. like just makes it so suspenseful because you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for something yeah. to move or something to jump out or something to happen. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then the whole, there's this whole uh, scene in their basement, um, and at one point you get a possessed Christy face, just similar to the possessed Katie face at the very end of the first one. And it's like, they do it so quickly, it's just a flash, but it's Mm -hmm. really terrifying, so I liked that a lot. So, wait, the stepdaughter was not in, like, hurt, though? No, because she was away on a school trip when um, Katie came and killed the parents and took the baby, and then Mm, she comes home and finds the parents' bodies. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Um, okay, so that's number two. Um, number three, which again is just called Paranormal Activity 3, again came out the very next year. 
Um, and so now we've seen in the first two movies, Katie and Christie's respective experiences in adults. This one goes back and shows us what happened when they were kids, because we keep getting references to what happened when they were little. So I love this one. This Let one is so say. good. So, so good. good. And this is the one that they hook back to the most in the following sequels, because I think it was so good and the story got so complex and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. Before you begin, I meant to say I was pregnant with Charlotte when I went to go see Paranormal Activity 2 also. And I think maybe one of the reasons I forgot a little bit what, what happened is because I was getting motion sickness. Oh, yeah. Because I'm you know, pregnant right. and I had to go throw up and then come back because yeah. I want to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sick enough. You know, when you're pregnant, you're like, well, this just happened, Let's but just I'm going to go back and live injury. my life. And exactly. <laughs> I pay for my movie ticket and I'm yeah. fine now. And yeah, I think I missed like a little bit. So I think it's funny that you and I both did that because I went to see The Unborn when I was pregnant with Grace. You know, we live our lives and there's a reason we have this podcast now because yeah. we're weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge us. Um, okay, so when Katie and Christy are kids, uh, they live with their mom, Julie, and her boyfriend, Dennis. Dennis is a wedding videographer. And so this is the source of the footage. Um, yeah. In this movie, there's always got to be a reason why a bunch of shit's getting taped. And in this case, yeah. it's it initiates because Dennis is a videographer. Um, we also meet for the first time their grandma, Lois. So this is Julie's mom, their maternal grandmother. Um, and we learn that Christy has an imaginary friend named Toby. Toby, you know, ends up being the rock star in this um, universe. Yeah. Um, So once more, we see the pattern of infestation and oppression, strange occurrences in the house that escalate over time, um, largely centering around little Christy, who's the younger sister, if we if I hadn't made that clear before. Katie's older. Right. Yeah. Um, We see a conversation between Julie and her mom, Lois, at one point. And Lois is trying to convince Julie to have more kids, saying, quote, you always said you wanted a son. And you're like, after seeing the second one, you're like, oh. Oh, what Grandma Lois Lois is uh, trying to encourage you to keep having babies so there's a boy. Lois. Lois, get your own life. Get some IVF and you deal with that shit. You (laughs) You old hag. You old hag. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the creepy stuff continues to escalate. Um, Dennis in uh, in this one is the one that starts doing all the research and um, discovers... the coven that is the one that Allie had had found in her research in in the second movie um and how the coven the aspect that he finds out about is that they use young girls once they can get pregnant Mm -hmm. use them as vessels for whatever crazy shit they're trying to bring into our world these kind of have like these moments definitely have like a Rosemary's Baby, which she's like looking through the books, like all of them witches kind of feel yeah. when they're like, she's like, oh shit, and, like reading through all this, like seeing weird portraits of weirdos and, and yeah. weird symbols and yeah. rituals and things. It's no bueno. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then uh, when the disturbances at home get too severe, the family leaves, you know, because they didn't get the advice of it's going to follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do they go? Grandma Lois's house. Um, but I put that turns out to be out of the frying pan and into the fire um, because Lois's house is HQ for the coven. Um, and the first night that uh, the family is there, the coven gathers for a ritual that results in the deaths of Julie and Dennis. Uh, and the girls presumably belong to Lois now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's very truncated. Obviously, I was trying not to go into a lot of detail because this one has a lot of creepy creepy bits in it um what i listed the scenes that i really liked um was the uh 
one of the things that Dennis comes up with when he starts planning cameras around the house is putting his camcorder on the base of his wife's oscillating fan or girlfriend, I should say, Julie's girlfriend. And yeah. so you have a camera angle that pans from like the one far end is like the inside of the front door and then across their formal room. And then it like passes a wall and then you see the kitchen island and then the eat in kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And then it slowly goes back. That was so good. It's that like was so such... much like you're just like, oh, what's, what's it going to turn into? Um, <sighs> and so that allows for probably my favorite. And I think this is the part that I screamed at in the theater um, is when <laughs> the sheet is behind the babysitter. She's sitting at the table and the sheet is standing behind her and then it just goes and like falls. Um, That part scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that was great. Um, Oh my gosh. The scene where the girls are playing Bloody Mary... I know. Because that's always a good time. Poor thing. Um, well, not just because the girls play Bloody Mary at one point, just the two of them. And then later when um, Dennis's assistant um, in his, you know, video business or whatever is staying with oh, Katie, yeah. um, the two of them play. And then there's like a major disturbance in that scene. Oh, so that was really freaky. Um, I, I felt I feel for those girls because I'm like, I was about their age, too, at that same time. And mm-hmm. I was like, long black hair, freckles. You know, and yeah. like awkward and like scaredy cat, but also interested, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm like intrigued, intrigued yeah. and macabre. Um, we so, have another no. really cool possessed face in this one, um, and it's a young Katie at the end where like her face whips around and it's all distorted. Yeah. Um, and then Dennis's death at the very end because yeah. it's like he's crawling across the floor and Grandma Lois is like, I mean, she's not touching him or anything, obviously. She's just, I don't know if it's she's the one that's doing it or if it's Toby, but um, it bends his body. He folds it backwards, basically, and breaks his spine, it's and then he awful. flops for it. Yeah, it's because he was a really nice guy. Yeah, he was. He was a good character. He wasn't yeah. like Mika is hard to like. Yeah, he's, he's annoying, a little obnoxious, arrogant. I mean, I guess his heart's in the right place, but um, Dennis just seems like a really cool, nice yeah. guy, and he really like cared about the girls. Like you know, like he loved them, and yeah. you feel bad. He's like taken on this father figure role. Did they mention like what happened to their father? What did he? No, that okay. never comes up. I was curious if little old Lois got rid of him. Probably. He's like, I'm getting a vasectomy. She's like, well, time to go. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. I need some airs. <laughs> um, okay, so that was number three, uh, which Paranormal is, yeah. Activity 4. So good. That which is so also, good. yeah, three and four are both awesome. And it's like, it's hard because one and two are really good too. But then, I mean, at this point, they, they kind of kept getting better there for a while. Um, for a while. For a yeah. while. Then yeah. then not so much. Um, but yeah, so Paranormal Activity 4 came out again the very next year. So this was 2009, 2010, 2011, and then the fourth one was 2012. So it was like every year we were getting a Paranormal Activity movie. Um, so in this one, we're meeting an entirely new family consisting of mom and dad. They have a teenage daughter, Alex, and her six-year-old brother, Wyatt. And there's also Alex's, I call him, BFF wannabe BF. Because, like, they're besties, and you can tell, like, they're flirty, and he definitely crushes on her, but they're not a couple. Like, they don't kiss or hold hands or anything, but, like, he's definitely, like, flirty, you know, with her, and she, you know, kind of tolerates it. They seem like the type of people that have, like, known each other since they were, like, five. Yeah, maybe or, that's know, it. Something like that, like, weird dynamic where yeah. they're, like, I'm getting these feelings. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. But yeah, they're definitely like each other's besties because they talk all the time and FaceTime all like video chat all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, so that's Ben. So he's the other real main character. And it, his camera is the source of most of the footage in this one, along with this one used webcams. So when they decide they need to start filming the house, Ben sets up all of the laptops in the house to record all the time. Yeah. And so that was, you know, like in these earlier ones, they've had like actual camcorders posted on tripods or wherever all over this time. He's just utilizing the computers in the house. So that was a little... Uh, something a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, so new people have moved in across the street from this family, and their little boy, Robbie, starts showing up at their house all the time. Um, and then one night early in the movie, there's an emergency, and it seems that Robbie's mom has to be in the hospital for a while, so Robbie stays with this family. And Alex is like, what the fuck? Why? We don't even know them. Like, why is he? doesn't he have family? Isn't there anyone? And her mom's like, I don't know. No, there's nowhere else for him to go, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Robbie's going to stay with them while his mom's in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so Robbie's hella creepy uh, and has an imaginary friend named Ba-ba-da, Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, so once Robbie arrives, the infestation begins and Alex is convinced it's because of Robbie. Um, and then one night, Alex notices a big gathering at Robbie's house at 2 a.m., um, which is like, OK, his mom's supposed to be in the hospital like, why is there a big, uh, like, gathering of people at his house in the middle of the night? Um, and soon, Robbie is introducing Wyatt to Toby. So he's definitely that, like, your kid's friend that starts hanging out and is, like, a super bad influence. <laughs> he's such a creep. He's so, like, that kid was cast so well. He's just so uh, creepy. He's like, don't tell her. Like, different things and, like, all whispering. He, had, yeah. he always had his weird key around his neck all the time. Yeah, like, he's some latchkey kid, <laughs> which weird. he was, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. So while Robbie's, um, this is like, Robbie had been still been staying at their house. And then one day he takes Wyatt across the street to his house. And when Alex, who's supposed to be watching them, she goes after them. She meets Robbie's mom. It's Katie. And she's like, how's it going? She's like, oh, hi. And Alex is like, what the fuck? I thought you were like in the hospital. Like, you look totally fine. Why are you here? Like, why are we watching your son? Um, so next, Toby... <sighs> tells Wyatt shaking my head that um Toby tells Wyatt that Wyatt's name is actually Hunter um and we find out that both Wyatt and Robbie are adopted mm-hmm. and Snow were like oh shit Riot is Wyatt is baby Hunter that Katie kidnapped at the end of number two mm-hmm. um so before long, Katie is like stalking around their house. Um, and then one afternoon, while Alex and her dad are gone, Toby kills the mom and Katie kills Ben. I know. It was so sad. sad. I mean, you know, they're all going to die, but you really well, liked but, Ben. You know, that one, the one where the daughter was on a camp or whatever, and she died. You know, yeah, she Allie die. lived. Allie lived. Um, okay. So then Katie, then, you know, the whole. Family. Well, no, Alex and, and her dad are gone. But now that they've killed everyone in the house, Katie takes Wyatt across the street um, to her house. And this is where, like, the climax scene occurs. And um, Alex and her dad um, go over there to try and get Wyatt back. Um, but they're both killed in the process. And Hunter is reclaimed by the coven. So yeah. they've got him back. I thought that was a good twist because it's like, as a viewer, you're like, oh, that kid's Hunter, the little kid. Yeah, you think Robbie is Hunter, Mm -hmm. and then you find out it's Wyatt. Yeah. Um, So what I thought was good about this one um, is the bits that they did with the tracking dots of the Xbox Kinect. That was really cool. Like, it was really creative. um, And then the visually, the way that, like, you know, it would be... 
you know, it's all dark, all the little green lights everywhere. And then like Robbie and Hunter are chasing each other around. And then you just see the faintest image of like a third boy chasing them. Mm -hmm. Or there's like, you don't see anything. And then suddenly somebody stands up off the couch that's not supposed to be there. So like the, the tracking dots are picking up on the supernatural things that are present in the house that people can't see. Yeah, it was definitely creative. I thought it was really fun. Um, I did like uh, what happened with the mom's knife when she's like chopping bell peppers <laughs> and she turns her back and it goes like whoosh and disappears uh-huh. up it, like up into the sky, presumably the ceiling. And she's like, what the fuck? Like she goes back out. It's like, I was just I've been there. I'm like, where did I put the knife down? I was just cutting these peppers. She's like, what in tarnation? Well, she didn't say tarnation. Yeah, but she like... says, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> but the, and then it was like a day later when the husband is like looking at the laptop and it falls and like almost falls right into him. Well, I think he's in the doghouse because he's on the couch and like yeah. super late. But then like the laptop in the kitchen keeps going on. And so he keeps yeah. going into the kitchen to find out there. why. Yeah. And but then it like <laughs> falls. It falls. And he goes, ah, he, and he like tells us why he's trying to tell her. She's, like, she's oh, like, give a crap. You're in the, you know, she's, she's like, like, just go, just go to bed. Just go to bed. And he's like, but the knife, it just, it came out. It fell. It was, uh, and she's like, shut the fuck up. She's like, you can come back to bed. That's yeah. what she said. You can come back to bed. Meaning they're fighting a lot. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I didn't bother to include those details, but their 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 marriage is not great. Um, but it's not really relevant to the story. Not really, but it's just funny that she's like, "I don't give a crap." When I fell up from the sky, yeah, she's like, "Shut up! I'm so sick of your voice." <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked the part where um, Alex is sleeping and uh, Rob, or is it Hunter levitates her off the bed. Yeah, that was crazy. That was pretty crazy. And she's like, "I'm so tired." Yeah. And like, well, because the mom gives her like a Xanax or something. Yeah. And then like knocks her out because she hasn't been able to sleep. And so then she's so knocked out that he just comes and like raises her into the air and she's just dangling. It's crazy. Yeah. And then the other, um, the garage scene where she gets trapped in the garage and the entity like turns the car on. And so she's like choking on the exhaust, but she can't get the door open and she can't get the garage door open. And she's like, so she's going to like die of carbon monoxide poisoning. But then she Mm -hmm. ends up like smashing the car window and getting in and then backing it through the garage door like a fucking maniac. I'm like, like, go girl. I'm not going down like this. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, this is, you know. I don't need your crap. I'll break a window. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was number four. That was a really good one, too. Can I really uh, interject really fast? Not, uh, it wasn't scary, but I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. It was the part where she's like, oh, they, they need virgins. Mm-hmm. And then her, her best friend was like, well, I can just like, we can just go take care of that real quick. <laughs> like, he's like, well, you're fucked. And she goes, uh, you're fucked. And then he goes, he goes, no, he's like, I've done it. He's like, um. What does he do? He says... Like two and a half times. No, no, no. He says um, uh, two times three different girls. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? (laughs) That doesn't... Okay. That's not possible. No. But yeah, he's hilarious. I thought the interaction was really good. Something I really love about scary movies is when the, the, um, you know, the relief from like all that tension... Mm -hmm. You know, the comedy is genuine and it makes you actually laugh. Not yeah. like a, oh, okay. Yeah, not cringy, but yeah, like, but yeah. like, oh gosh, that was funny. So that's why I really like the, some of the, like the new Halloween, for example. Yeah. That, that was really, that's good, so. Yeah, that's definitely something they've gotten better at in recent years. I think they've recognized how much better audiences respond to scary movies when they work them that way. 
Yeah, comedy relief has to be actually good. Yeah, and so I think that's why you're seeing it more often. Yeah. That's one of, like, Jordan Peele's real strengths, too. Definitely. With his stuff. Yeah. It's like, his little funny bits are so funny. He's like, yeah. And now she's like, you want to get crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so that was one, uh, two, two, three, and four. Uh, The next one to come out, this is when they stopped numbering them and just started giving them um, different names. Yeah. But the next two were still very closely tied into the storylines from the first four movies. So the next one that came out, the fifth movie, was Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And it came out in 2014. So it was two years after um, number four. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So in this one, the main character is this kid, Jesse. He buys a camera with his high school graduation money. Um, So that's the source of our footage um, of him and his friends, Hector and Marisol. Um, Jesse has a downstairs neighbor, Anna, who's a bruja. She's a witch. Bruja. Bruja. And she gets killed. Um, They break into her apartment and find a journal that includes directions for opening a door through space and time to unholy places. So, of course, they try it out. Um, So the ritual seems to do nothing. But in truth, the infestation of Jesse has begun. Um, So, of course, they're, you know, have nothing better to do. They're teenagers. They're back in Anna's apartment later and they find a photo of Jesse's mom uh, pregnant with him. So she died giving birth to him. Um, but this is a photo of his mom while she's pregnant with him, posing with Anna the Bruja and Lois. Grandma Lois. Dun, dun, dun. And you're like, what? Um, so this is where we see the story begin to tie in with the original, um, you know, four stories and everything. So the kids find out that a friend of theirs, Oscar, um, had been tracking little boys that had been abducted uh, and had actually identified Allie. Our, our survivor from number two, mm-hmm. um, based on Hunter's disappearance. So he had found documentation of like, have you seen this boy? Um, and contacted Allie um, after finding out about her from that. Um, but at this point, uh, Oscar's dead. So they're just kind of like following his breadcrumbs. Um, so they meet with Allie also. And she tells us, this is the same actress that played Allie in, in the second movie. And so she comes and meets with them. And she tells them about the coven um, that's called the Midwives. And um, what they do is they mark an unborn male. So while um, the mom is pregnant, they mark her body. Then he's born. Then they possess him at 18. So when he turns 18, a final ritual will make him seem re- to return to normal. But at that point, he won't really be him anymore. He'll belong to the coven or whatever. And so we're like, oh, shit, Jesse's 18. He just graduated from high school and his mom was hanging out with Lois and the Bruja. Like, oh, my God. Um, and yeah, Jesse- but are they supposed to not are they supposed to have like riches or no? That's not a thing anymore. Um, not necessarily. Like, there, it seems like the fingers kind of spread because like Lois got her riches for the deal of like promising her boy. But this is kind of like a different spell or a different process they do go into detail that it's about um building an army for when they bring the seven demons or whatever like it got pretty complicated i didn't think that we had time to go the first demon's toby (laughs) right toby the demon yeah actually that's yeah in the next one 
Um, but so Jesse is being oppressed at this point and possessed. And at first, like he it's kind of fun and funny. He feels like Superman, like he can do trust falls in midair and just like not fall. It just like stops. That was a, a good funny moment in that one, because he when he realizes that he can do that when he's just standing, if he just falls backwards, something invisible just catches him. And so mm-hmm. he's showing it to his friend Hector and Hector's recording it and everything. And Hector's like, let me try, let me try. Then he gets up on a chair and then trust falls backwards. And just hits the floor hella hard. So that was like good, good comedic timing for that one. Um, so, but now they, they're figuring out everything that's going on, um, and Jesse has disappeared. And so they track him to a house where they have figured out the final ritual is supposed to occur. And oh my god, it's Lois's house from the end of the third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while they're at the house, Marisol is killed. Um, and while Hector is being pursued around the house by Jesse, he goes through this door that's marked with all of these symbols and everything. And remember, it was all about doors through space and time. Yeah. He goes through a door um, and that takes him into Katie and Mika's house the night Mika is killed. So now in the first movie, we just see it from the bedroom angle. So we see Katie leave and then we hear her start screaming from downstairs and then Mika runs down and then she kills Mika downstairs and Mm -hmm. then you know he crawls back up so now we're seeing Hector runs into the room while Katie is just standing quietly in the kitchen still and then she turns to Hector and then she starts screaming and then Mika runs down and you see her stab Mika so the part that you didn't see in the first movie Mm -hmm. you see in this one because Hector is like space time traveled into their house Mm -hmm. to that night Um, and then of course Katie kills Hector too yeah. So that's the that's the end of that one. Um, what I thought was uh, good about that one is they threw in a little bit of, um, you know, the Simon game with the four colored dots mm-hmm. where it's like you're supposed to match the patterns and it's like boop, boop, boop. Beep, boop, boop. Yeah, they yeah. figure out that they can talk to the demon using the Simon game. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, th- I thought that that was kind of creative. But then you have Abuela Irma, who is Jesse's grandma that lives with them. And mm-hmm. she's like, obviously, super Catholic. And, um, you know, she speaks almost entirely Spanish to them, but then un- understands the English like it's a, you know, bilingual household, obviously. But then when she sees them talking to the demon with the Simon, she like starts like yelling at them in Spanish and like taking the Simon away and telling him to stop fucking around with devils. Oh, yeah. I was like, listen to Grandma Irma. Irma knows what's up, you big dummies. That's crazy. Um, and then there's also a point um, in this one when they're being, uh, it's when Jesse's first being uh, kind of attacked and he's running through the basement space underneath Anna's apartment and he comes across um, young Katie and Christy. Mm-hmm. Like standing there with like the big shiny black eyes and like the creepy white gowns and everything. And it's just for like a split second, but it's another tie in um, yeah. with the characters from the other movies. They're like, oh my God, it's, it goes all the way to the top. It's it. Time travel. Yep. Space. Space. Brewhouse. Time. Doc Brown. It's all there. I liked um, it. I liked that one. I, I, don't, I didn't think it was like amazing. I think I went into it with like low, low expectations. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh. I was like, 
you know, not bad and entertaining, and yeah. I thought it was fun. It's really unique in the in the context of all of the movies because all the other ones have these very nuclear white families mm-hmm. in suburbia. Yeah. And then this one, you get like kind of a multi generational family in an urban setting that they're living in an apartment building, not in some big friggin' house with security cameras. Um, and it's a lot more centered on the teenagers and their interactions absent of the parents. And so it has a super, super different vibe throughout to to all of the other ones because all the other ones are just like mom dad kid maybe a friend or an uncle or something in a big house in suburbia yeah yeah and this one was a little different sure sure this last one i haven't seen at all well but spoil spoil it for well there's two more oh god i know you thought we were on the last one we're done nope honey hang on (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll try i'll try to get through the next two i want to know okay so the next one the sixth movie uh was not number six but it was just named paranormal activity the ghost dimension came out in 2015 so the year after the marked ones um, this one picks up right from the end of number three. So right after Dennis is killed on the floor of Lois's house mm-hmm. and she now has the two little girls. Um, it shows a conversation that Katie and Christy have right after Julie and Dennis are killed with Grandma Lois and this creep Kent um, who tells them about their destiny, that Christy is going to birth a baby and Katie's going to be the protector, but that now there's another little girl out there like them that they need to like contact or reach out to. And so this is, again, like this one really incorporates the whole time dimensional travel connection things mm-hmm. um, because obviously that's happening in like 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, but the events in Ghost Dimension are taking place in like 2015 or whatever. So, um, the new family in Ghost Dimension is Emily and Ryan are the parents and their daughter, Leela, um, plus her uncle, Mike, who's Ryan's brother. And then there's uh, Emily's hot friend, Skylar, like just the hot requisite hot girl that's like staying with them for some reason because she has a yoga retreat in town. Okay. Yeah. You need the hot girl. You'll figure out any way to get her there. So we, got, um, we have Kato, Kato living in the house. <laughs> um, so they're in um, a new, ho- a relatively new home to them, this big, gorgeous, beautiful house. Um, but they find a camera and these weird tapes that they don't know where they came from. Um, and when they use the camera, it shows them these like bizarre clouds, um, like images. It kind of looks like uh, faults in the film or whatever, but not really. And they realize that the camera is weirdly customized. And then as they, over time, start watching through all the tapes that were stored with the camera, they turn out to be the tapes from movie number three. So it's all the footage of Katie and Christy when they were little. Okay. Um, And then more tapes from after that period of young Katie and Christy with Lois and Kent. Um, Now suddenly, Leela has an imaginary friend named Toby. Um, And the infestation in their house picks up. The camera, although, allows them to um, capture the energy fields related to other dimensions as well as Toby's presence. So they have multiple cameras, but the one that they found in the house actually lets them kind of see Toby Mm -hmm. and see where these these energy fields are. Eventually, Leela draws symbols outlining a kind of a shape of a gate on the wall behind her bed. Um, as her dad, Ryan, investigates more, Hunter starts showing up in the story. Um, they, they find out that he's this missing boy who was born on the exact same date as Leela, but he shows up on one of the tapes that they found that was made long before he was born. So, like, demonstrating that Hunter is time-traveling, mm-hmm. basically. 
Um, then one night, a portal opens on the wall behind Leela's bed, and she goes through. Um, but then she does return, and then with all the dis- disturbances, they flee the house. Um, finally, th- there's a priest that they had already asked to come and kind of consult, and then he comes back to help them try and exterminate the demonic presence. Because he was like, we don't need an exorcism because Leela's not possessed. We need an extermination to get rid of this demon, so the demon presence being Toby. Um, but of course, it doesn't work. Toby kills Skylar, Mike, and Ryan. Um, and then Emily follows Leela through the bedroom portal, which, of course, is time and space, ends up in Christy and Katie's childhood home again. Mm-hmm. And at this point now, um, Toby has become incarnate because what they needed was the blood of Hunter and the blood of Leela to bring Toby to a human form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they don't kill the kids. They just, you know, cut their hand or whatever. Um, but now Toby is real and he kill, kills Emily and keeps Leela. Um, the fun thing about this one is that actually the DVD had an alternate ending. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in the alternate ending, the extermination works. Like they, you know, are like, oh, we banished Toby. Great. Uh, and four months later, they're moving into a new house. Um, and all of a sudden in the front yard, um, Leela's standing there with like, look, my friends are here. And it's young Katie and Christy. Mm-hmm. So like young, like they were 25 years before this is supposed to be taking place. Um, and then the next part on the film is Leela's birthday party. Her mom, Emily, is pregnant. And when Leela blows out her candles, she wishes for it to be a boy. And Kent is in the crowd and, like, scoops her up and is like, what a good girl you are for, like, wishing it would be a boy. So it's just all of these, like, creepy hooks linking it to everything else in, like, kind of chaotic, but, you know, entertaining ways. Yeah, yeah. Um... What I thought was good was the interdimensional aspect. There's parts where they're watching the tapes and Christy is being kind of hypnotized, but she's being asked to like visualize and try and see things through other dimensions. And so they're watching this tape that was made 20 years ago and watching this little girl and this little girl starts like describing them in the room that they're in right there right then or like starts describing Leela's bedroom as it is right then mm-hmm. so it was like really creepy and there's a part where Leela sneezes and Christy on the tape says bless you oh that's crazy yeah it was, it was creepy wait is the house that they move into is that their old house so funny oh, you no. should ask because that was the next thing so you know they keep talking about Katie and Christy's house burned down but it doesn't right it did this house was built on the site Oh, okay. Um, and then they, the parents find out um, throughout the course of the movie that they were, like, manipulated into moving into this house. Because they were, remember, we weren't even looking in this neighborhood, and it seemed like it was too good of a deal. And um, their realtor was this woman named Katie. And when they call the real estate company, they're like, nobody by that name has ever worked for us. <gasps> And so they they figure out that they Chameleon were Chameleon Katie. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, adult Katie is never on any of the tapes they have. So they wouldn't have recognized yeah. her. They only saw the child. Um, and then there's an also the part where uh, Leela attacks the priest and bites him in the neck or something. And that was kind of a, a fun moment. She's like, no, don't you take away. How, don't you dare take away Toby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reenacting what I would imagine happened because I haven't seen the movie. So. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great because she's like all super grouchy about having to talk to this priest, right? Because you're like, oh, she's possessed. Priests but are then boring. She starts like smiling, like this tiny little smile. And then she's, like, just smiling quietly and, like, staring at him at the smile. It's getting, like, a little bigger and a little bigger. And then she just, like, lunges at him and is like, rah! And bites him. <laughs> and he's like, you want a bat? 
that priest in the neck. <laughs> I like the Toby Southern. <laughs> you want to bat that priest in the that neck. That priest needs to be bitten in the neck. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Right in the veiny part. <laughs> right, get him. He's old. His, thin, his skin is thin like paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she laughed. <laughs> okay, so that was Ghost Dimension, which was the sixth movie. Okay. And then the last one that has been released so far was number seven. It is the first one that has nothing to do whatsoever in any way with any of the preceding movies. So is it Cash Grab? Well, maybe Mm -hmm. the other ones are too, but like at least they tried. Yeah. But this one, like there it's there's there's a demon, but it's like there's not witches. There's not a coven. There's not a anything like that. So it's called Next of Kin. The main character is Margot. She's doing a documentary with the help of her friend Chris on finding her birth family, which she believes are these Amish people. Um, she has seen security footage she found somewhere from the hospital when her mom left her. Like her mom like runs into a hospital foyer and like drops the baby there. Mm-hmm. Um, so her first contact with the family is this guy, Samuel. Um, he takes them and then this additional sound guy, Dale, um, out to the community. And so those are like you've got Margot, Chris and Dale are like our good guys. So her mom had like a rumspringa and like had her? Uh, not exactly. Oh, not okay. exactly. Um <laughs> So on their first night staying with this family, they see people going out into the forest in the middle of the night. Um, and then soon someone mentions to Margot, she finds out that her mom's old room was right above the room that she was staying in now. Um, so looking in that locked attic room, um, she finds a letter where her mom, whose name is Sarah, um, calls the group a cult and, and writes, you can't have me or my baby. So she's asking Jacob, who's actually Sarah's dad, which makes him Margot's grandpa. Um, And he says that uh, Sarah had attempted suicide multiple times before getting pregnant by a boy from town. And she was shunned, which um, Margot was like, so you kicked her out? And he goes, oh, no, no, we didn't kick her out. We kept her here and shunned her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Dwight Schrute style. (laughs) Shunned. Unshunned. Unshunned. (laughs) Um, But then. Have your baby. (laughs) Reshunned. Yeah. So, but they were going to force her to give away her baby to like another married couple because they don't allow out of wedlock babies. Um. But instead, she took the baby to the hospital that was outside of their community. Um, so uh, using a camera on a drone, Chris discovers that there's a church in the woods. So they go there, but they're stopped from going inside at that point. But after seeing people in the middle of the night take this two-headed baby goat into the church, <laughs> um, the crew sneak back and they get inside this time. They find a harness and a crank that's meant to lower people down into this pit that is like in the middle of the church underneath, like kind of hidden behind a lectern. So, of course... Um, Margot gets into the harness and goes down and she sees that there's kind of this cave at the bottom with some tunnels and everything. So back at the house, she's snooping through Jacob's room and she finds, she breaks into this locked closet and she finds a laptop with a router in this Amish house. So that's why it's, you know, locked in a closet hidden behind white tunics. Um, and she finds full of OnlyFans <laughs> bookmarked website. Right. It was black people meets <laughs> all up and down. OnlyFans. Um, but what she realizes is that they found her online intentionally. Like they had been basically researching her and stalking her. Like they had her class schedule. They had all this stuff dating back to before 
she and Samuel originally, like, quote-unquote, stumbled upon each other. Because mm-hmm. um, Samuel was the one that was supposed to have been on Rumspringa, and then he, like, met some... This was his story, that he met somebody and then ended up, like, doing a 23andMe and then got, like, a distant relative connection with Margot. Mm-hmm. And so that was the story that they lured her in with, but evidently they were seeking her out it's the whole time. Malark. All Malark. Um, so she's like obviously really freaked out, but before they can get away, she's attacked and somewhat possessed. Um, and in the guy's uh, kind of understanding, like research, they learn that there was a line of women in this community that were tasked with housing a demon, like in their body, like the, the, that was how they were keeping the demon trapped so it couldn't do its demonic business. Um, and Margot was the next in line mm-hmm. to um, have the demon transferred to her from her mother. And that's why her mother got her out of the community. Mm-hmm. So that it wouldn't be transferred to her. But now she's there and they're they're trying to make that happen. So she's taken to the church for the right. Um, but Chris shows up. He manages to save her. Um, but then we meet the creature that once was Sarah. So she's been like trapped in this cave under the church for like, what, 20 years mm-hmm. um, housing this demon and like all chained up and everything. And it, she's it's like a golem type thing, mm-hmm. but really scary. Like, really, I thought it was pretty well done and creepy. And so she, like, breaks loose and is chasing them. Um, and uh, so they, so Sarah, or Chris and Margot get out of the church. Um, and then, but in the blizzard outside, because Dale had come and, like, pulled them up out of the pit. But then the Sarah creature kills Dale outside. Um, and then he attacks Chris next. But Margot is able to, like, talk to Sarah and, like, distract her away from attacking Chris. And... Margot is able to kill Sarah because she is, I mean, still just like a living person at that point, even though she's been golemed up in that cave for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Margot and Chris flee as the farm falls into the carnage of the unleashed demon, because since it wasn't transferred to Margot and now Sarah's dead, the demon is free. Bye! And what it do, what it, they had talked about earlier is what this demon does is it like turns everyone against each other and causes them to do like the most heinous things to each other. So like when they're trying to get into the van to leave, the people around them are all like setting each other on fire, and, like biting each other and shit. And so they get away. Um, Margot and Chris get away in their van. But then later police respond to, you know, like fire reports or whatever of what's going on at the farm and the only one left alive is Samuel but he's got the demon in him mm-hmm. and so he makes the two police kill themselves and then he takes their car and he leaves so it's basically like the demon is now unleashed on the world mm-hmm. so way to go Margot. Margo you done fucked up <laughs> Um, what I put for what's good with this one is since it's set in 2021, they're wearing masks. Like when they're at the airport and like getting off the plane and like getting their things and everything, they're all masked up. And then like they get in the van and she, um, Margot goes, as she's starting to take it down, she was like, is this cool? Like we all tested, you know, whatever. And Dale, the driver is like, oh yeah, I've had COVID like five times. Because <laughs> <laughs> the actor that played Dale was hilarious. He's like six, seven. He was just yeah. like this huge guy, but he was really funny. Um, 
Ooh, there was one point where like Chris has the camera and there's this old Amish looking lady in the corners supposedly peeling potatoes, but you're looking at her from behind. And so he walks over with the camera and he's like, hey, can I film you? And she's just like gazing out the window with this serene look on her face. And then the camera pans down and she's actually peeling her hand. So she's like gouged a huge portion of the flesh out of her hand with this potato peeler because she's just been sitting there peeling away at her hand. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's what Chris said. Exactly. Um, and then my other favorite part is there's a point before they've really started to figure anything out. Margot's talking to this little girl there who's got a doll. And, and she's like, what's your doll's name? And she was like, Sarah. And she was like, oh, that was my mom's name. Like, she used to live here a long time ago. And she goes, she's still here. She doesn't like you. And Margot's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she's... <laughs> That's crazy. I need to watch these. Like, yeah. now I'm intrigued. So when I watched that last one, it was called Next of Kin. Um, when I watched the first time, I remember not liking it, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I was expecting it to link into the universe and it didn't. But yeah. this time, I just rewatched it today. It was the first time that I watched it since the first time I saw it. And um, I actually didn't hate it. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just what I always say with your expectations. It's like your expectations are high. You're going to be disappointed. But if you go in thinking, oh, yeah, I remember this sucking. You're like, oh, it actually isn't that bad. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and then I I should I should mention that um, for the next one, Paranormal Activity, The Other Side. So the eighth movie comes out next year. 2023. Okay, I have to watch the other two. That I missed. Yeah. Well, I have all of them on DVD, except for Next of Kin, but right now that is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Okay. That's what I watched it on today. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So yeah, that, those are the copious sequels to our feature film of this episode, Paranormal Activity. Those were a lot. And, you know, from the sound of it, like, I can go into, like, a few little, little tidbits of, like, how the original was created. Oh, please do. <laughs> but it was, um... I mean, there's just, like, a few little things, but... So, the director, his name is Oren Peely. I don't know if I'm, spe- like, pronouncing that correctly. But he, before he made this movie, he was just, like, a programmer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and he had, like, the idea of doing this kind of... This movie about this. And so, he had... his. He said he was inspired by just, like... Some creepy late night noises in his house, like some thumps in the night. And he's yeah. like, oh, this could be like a cool movie. And um, so then he did, he made, um, he like redid the floors of his home to make them wood and do other things. He doesn't count that as part of his movie budget. Okay. Because he's like, this is all what I was going to do to my house anyway. Right. So separately, like the ha- the movie was like $15,000 to make. Wow. And it's, I think, the f- second highest grossing movie ever because it made like $319 million. How? Something crazy like that. Uh, like, I mean, we're talking like Avatar, Titanic, like that no, highest no, grossing? highest grossing in 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 respect to how much it costs okay make. okay so like the relation the correlative yeah okay got it yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. wait a minute no, what no no no, no. <laughs> no 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 like in regard to how much it costs to make yeah. versus like how, how much, much money it made. made like the highest that's awesome um, way to go programmer it was really cool so they they and they filmed it in a week it wow took a week to make and they just you know he did it in his own home it took seven days he took a week off work to make it <laughs> 
he um he, there was no script he just had like ideas like okay there's kind of like Blair be, Witch like, sounds yeah there's gonna be like sounds like scrape thumps whatever had the actors like do their thing mm-hmm. you know you're mad at her yada yada or she you know she's scared that comfort kind of thing. her <laughs> yeah um you know there's gonna be like sleeping there's they go and investigate they get you know afraid um so then let's see it it was um also rejected by a lot of uh, festivals and they had to shop around the movie to be purchased for a few years Mm -hmm. before it was and then it's jason bloom's like bloom house his first like big horror hit okay like he was like saw potential in it and the um, studio wanted them to reshoot the whole thing. And oh, do it wow. Again. And they wanted them to go budget. Evil Dead 2 on it? Well, like a, re- like a higher budget. Yeah. And they're like, well, let's just show the what original. We have. Yeah. And, you know, test, have the audience test it and see. And then they're like, from the reaction, people freak the fuck out. And they're yeah. like, oh, we need to keep this as is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. So um, that, you know... The director was like, oh, you know, let's give it a chance. And he was right. Mm-hmm. So then um, there also were a few different endings to the original. Okay. Three different endings. So actually, I think, yeah, I can't remember because the DVDs that I have, you know, they have like show theatrical version, show extended version. And then sometimes it'll say show alternate ending. And I can't remember if my DVD for the first one had an alternate ending because obviously Ghost Dimension did. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember either, actually, and I don't even remember ever seeing it, but I can describe them really quickly. One was, um, it was, the one that was screened at film festivals had ended with Katie being shot by police as she emerged from her bedroom holding a knife. Well, that would have really spoiled the potential for the sequels. Maybe, but there's ghost dimensions and a cult. Yeah, but know, she's supposed so. to immediately go kill... Christy she and, and yeah, no, she was know. reborn. <laughs> I don't know. She went Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. So then the movie was purchased by Paramount and then they did two more endings. And um, the one that was the official ending, which is Mika being hurled across the room by the unseen force. And then Katie's a snarling demon, which mm-hmm. we saw. And then the third ending was never released. But um, it was Katie kills Mika off screen and then cuts her own throat in front of the camera. Oh, that would have been upsetting. Yeah, so luckily they just stayed with the yeah. um, the one that they reshot, the second one, where she Mika is dies and she disappears. Yeah, because that gave them so much uh, to work with. Yeah, it's really good. And I meant to say um, profitable. It's the most profitable movie. Oh, okay, the, not highest grossing. Yeah, profitable. yeah, I, I Got misspoke. It. So um, just in, in terms of percentage on of return on um, money that was spent yeah. on, the, on the movie. So I thought that was really cool. He, this is like a nerdy programmer guy who yeah, had this idea. Great of idea. Movie. He's like, let's make it take a week. I'll spend 15000 We'll shoot it at my house in San Diego. Hire two unknowns. Yeah. Have them hash it out. I'm not even going to bother writing a script. I'll just tell them what to do. Yeah. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's really that awesome. That it paid off the way that it did. Instead yeah. of being just something that like sits in his garage for the rest of his life. Sure. You know, and even if it did, you know, who cares? Like, That's true. I mean, he probably had a good time. Yeah, it was probably fun. And he got to new make. floors out of it. Yeah, he was like, actually, <laughs> I need. I was going to do it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think it's an originality. It's definitely a fun one, and I liked how just like off the cuff 
and creative they were. Not to say that like scripted movies with with a lot of writing and intent mm-hmm. aren't good, but I also really enjoy hearing these stories too, yeah. where they're like, oh, you know, let's be really creative and and just see what happens. Yeah, Sometimes well, and it it's goes horrible. It goes well <laughs> with the um, the approach of found footage, you know, yeah. because it's yeah. like if you know it's supposed to feel more realistic you're supposed to feel like it's happening to you not that you're watching it happen and so like you because you said the same thing about Blair Witch that they there was no script that they were you know given directions Mm -hmm. um and so to have it be sound natural because it is actually what someone is just naturally saying Mm -hmm. um really jives with the uh like um unprofessional camera work that too and you know like after watching the movie today, I was like, they seem kind of nervous a little bit and, and not like super professional. But also it's like, how would we act if exactly. there was a camera in front in the corner? Like, yeah. We'd be like, oh, you know, like after a while, maybe we would not remember it's there. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, oh, you know, anxious and like, oh, self-conscious. Like, yeah, yeah, self-conscious for sure. With a big kiss. It's easy for me to forget that I have little cam cams in the living room to watch mm. our dog sometimes uh-huh. when we're like out of town or like, you know, out of the house. But like a gigantic, huge ass camera like what he has, like it's, it would be hard to forget it there. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, well, I think that was really good uh, information on all the sequels. There's a ton. Yeah. And I have to say, Grace has seen every single one of them. Um so obviously she's a fan to some extent um, because after seeing a couple, she didn't say no thank you to the rest of them. But, you know, Paranormal Activity is rated R. It is. Um, I think that it's I have I would have to look at what they articulate for the reason. But there is a lot of cursing in it, a lot of swearing, uh, a there lot of F-bombs. And yeah. um, and they do factor in frightening and intense sequences for um, for ratings, which these are obviously full of. Um, with the except, so when we first, when I first started showing her these, the only one I didn't show her was Ghost Dimension. And it's because you have a bunch of 18 year old kids hanging out together, not around adults. There is even more swearing than in the other ones. And a lot of like sexually explicit commentary and like statements Mm -hmm. and jokes and comments that are just like really dirty because it's a bunch of 18 year old kids and that's the kind of things that they say to each other yeah um and so i did not show her ghost dimension when we first started watching them because it was back when she was like 11 or something yeah um now she has now seen ghost dimension um and she watched next of kin with me um i actually thought that i'd watched it without her when it first came out but then when she sat down to watch it with me today she was like oh yeah we i saw this i was like oh well never mind you may go but she she's well no she stayed and then she fell asleep um (laughs) but they are um they're really scary they're good. They're yeah. good, um, but like we say with a lot of them, they're not beginner's horror movies no, for kids. No. So they're not necessarily inappropriate. You know, it's not like they have a bunch of sex scenes. It's not like there's a, a bunch of blood and gore and disembowelments or violence, but yeah. they're really scary. They make, me ang- they make me anxious. Yeah. If I am anxious, you and you are squeamish mm-hmm. about scary movies, then maybe you... Yeah. Because it literally is, it's the things that go bump in the night. Yeah. And that's usually the thing that is scary to a littler kid. 
Yeah. Is that like when you're in bed at night and you hear a noise. In your own home. In your own home. It's suburban and you're surrounded by your comforts. Yeah. Like you're in your own bed. But then there's a creak. And then there's suddenly your blanket moves. Yeah. And you know what? I always say you have to keep your feet under your blanket Mm -hmm. because the The, demons will get you. (laughs) Right. Blankets have incredible power to protect us from the supernatural. Everyone knows this. It's known. It 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 is known. It is known. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this would be it's not necessarily inappropriate for younger kids, but it is really scary. And so you probably you wouldn't want to show it to um, a preteen unless they were already super desensitized like my daughter. My children would be sleeping in my room on the at the end of the bed like Michael Scott (laughs) (laughs) on on, on their ottoman (laughs) Uh, I have to get an ottoman yeah (laughs) well yeah I love it though but so if anyone grown-ups slash teenagers older teenagers if you have not watched paranormal activity and you're like I just want to be frightened yeah get this movie Turn off all the lights. Turn off all the lights. And just... And be quiet. Stay off your phone. Watch it with a friend, but don't talk to them the whole time. You can hold hands. Yep. <laughs> that, I mean, Meredith probably wouldn't to, hold my hand. To get through but, it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll be like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stop touching me. <laughs> you're fine. God, just quit jumping in my lap, Katie. God. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's the lights out, quiet, focus, let the, the, they work so hard to build the suspense. You have to let them build suspense. Yeah. And this movie was really well done and it's a lot of fun and people make fun of it a little bit. I think it's, it's gotten to the point where it's a little bit. Yeah, it had a lot of send ups. um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's gotten to the point where it's, um, parodied a lot, Mm -hmm. but you know, just enjoy it. Not everything has to be a joke. You can just laugh or be frightened sometimes too. So. Well, good episode. Um, For next time. For next time. We're going to continue our found footage, but we are doing a twofer because Katie and I couldn't decide. decide. We want to do both. They're all, they're good. They're both awesome. I know. So we're going to do As Above, So Below, released in 2014. Mm Mm-hmm. And Wreck. It's uh, a Spanish movie, released in 2007. But if you are, like, adamantly against reading subtitles, I read subtitles all the time because I can't hear very much, so... (laughs) Yeah, so if you also suffer from tinnitus and are used to subtitles... (laughs) Um, So, but then there's Quarantine, which was released... It's the American version. Really, really follows the Spanish version as well. I don't think it deviates very much. Um, And it's released in 2008. And the actress in that was... Emily Rose, the actor who played Emily Rose. And oh, she's amazing. Right. And, okay. Uh, I love her. So cool. Anyway, thanks for um, listening, and I hope you get scared. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>